And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. So today uh, we are doing this and we're doing this interview in silhouette. This is a nurse practitioner from the Midwest. Um, and and let let us uh, why don't you explain how you see the situation and why you wanted to do this in silhouette? And we have no problems with that because there is a fear that's out there with people about losing their jobs or having it, having talking out and having things misconstrued. Right. So, you know, of course I want to do this interview, you know, I'm pro-vax and I was one of the first people to receive the vaccine as being in the healthcare field. You know, I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to get, get out there and get the vaccine. And I believed I was doing the right thing at that time. Um, but, you know, I, I need, the medical community, especially to know about cases like me and how injured and about specifically the neurological injuries so that the medical community knows this is happening and is able to deal with patients like me when they present. Um, and the reason that I'm doing this, um, you know, without my face is, you know, I, I really would like to, but, um, you know, I'm 1100 people's primary care provider and as a figure in my community and under contract with my job, I can't do anything that would compromise our practice. Okay. Um, and that's very unfortunate that a vaccine reaction would be something so controversial rather than just something medical where we could speak openly about it. All right, so let's let's back up. Um, first of all, how long have you been uh, in the medical field? Uh, this would be 20 years. I was a nurse for 17 years in an intensive care unit, and I became a nurse practitioner in 2017, um, and I work in family practice. All right, um, and when did, when did you get the vax earlier this year, and which shot, and how many of the shots, if there were two? So I received my first Moderna vaccine December 26th, and I received my second Moderna vaccine uh, January 17th. All right. So you were you really were in the in the very very beginning of this rollout. Um, and yes. did you have it? Did you have a reaction to the first shot? Right. So the first vaccine, I had definitely more than a normal reaction. Um, my arm within a couple hours was very, very sore. And the arm hurt all the way down into my elbow and into my wrist. Um, I had pain into my armpit and I like couldn't lift it above my head. I was taking 800 of ibuprofen three times a day for at least three to four days uh, for the pain. And I couldn't sleep on it and it was keeping me awake. So I would consider the first vaccine still for me a more serious reaction than would be typical for others. Did you have lymph node issues at that time? I don't believe so, not with the first. 
uh, but surely with the second. All right. So January 17th was the second. And then what happened? So I received the vaccine at about the second vaccine, Moderna, at about one o'clock in the afternoon. And by about 11 o'clock that night, I was saying to my husband, I don't feel right. Uh, my body hurts. Um, the arm definitely was the same where it couldn't be lifted above my head. Um, and the arm was very, very painful. So um, I actually took a sleeping pill to go to sleep that night. Um, and then I woke up suddenly around five o'clock in the morning, um, abruptly, and my entire body was in so much pain, I couldn't be touched. Um, my skin hurt different than my bones that hurt different than my muscles. Um, it was so intense and um, I couldn't move my arms and legs properly. I definitely didn't have what they call fine motor skills, like where you could pick up a pencil. Um, that had been completely lost. And then I was able to move my arms and legs, but they were extremely heavy as if gravity was 10 times. Um, so I couldn't walk to the bathroom myself. I couldn't um, dress myself. And that was for about um, three days I went through that. Were you, were you bedridden at that point, basically for those three days? I would say, you know, I was able to, with help, stand and put weight on my legs and get to the bathroom. Um, and my husband was able to, while I was laying down, put a sandwich in my hand and bend my fingers around it. And I was able to bring it to my mouth myself. But, you know, that with neck pain and the globes of my eyes hurt, um, you know, so it was extremely intense uh, for quite a few days. Um, I was in the medical field and, you know, it's very unfortunate, but I, I worried about healthcare costs and all I could think about was $10,000 to the ER. Um, and I had been taking my own vital signs and um, did not go to the hospital at that time because I, I worried about cost. And there was also a component where I was like, I don't want to be the one that stops the vaccine from happening because of how serious this is, things like that. Well, let me, let me ask you this, okay, because we, we've heard this a lot. Um, and, and I don't quite understand it, all right? And, and so I'm, I'm asking in, in, in as gentle way as I possibly can. What is it about people in the medical field when they're injured and they, they and a couple of people have said this to us, that you know they did they wanted to make certain that people understood that they're pro-vax or you know they didn't want to be the one that would bring on any more hesitation i mean it seems to me that one of the largest voices that needs to speak out are the people in the medical community who have had adverse reactions to this i mean that's one of the reasons why we're doing this because many of the people that took the vaccines early actually were in the healthcare industry. But everybody's cautious about it. So what happens behind that curtain that we don't live in that's called the healthcare community? Well, I mean, you know, it's our job to, you know, follow the science and follow the recommendations and, you know, to encourage our patients to participate in the global efforts to, you know, reduce, you know, death from COVID, you know, the mm -hmm. vaccine making it so 
people when they get sick, they don't die. They just get flu-like symptoms and stay home. You know, that was the the general thought process for me was, you know, yes, we need to vaccinate everyone. And, you know, I trusted the science and I trusted the vaccine companies. And I just, you know, there is a part of me now that, you know, this vaccine maybe wasn't ready. You know, if this many people are injured initially here, you know, what wave is coming because everyone else was vaccinated in February, March, April, what is the fall and winter going to bring right now as far as the volume of and severity of vaccine reactions to where it outweighs? And we say, God, you know, in other words, the risks and the benefits is right. exactly what they said at the beginning. Right, where where mm -hmm. we see the risk outweigh the benefit, and you know, I think it's any any applied science. You know, the vaccine companies can't say, you know, we're going to sweep this all under the rug. Nothing happened. The vaccine is perfect. That's not the way science works. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to mass vaccinate, you have to have a net that is where people who get injured from the vaccine fall. And then you right. take that net and you focus on it and you admit it and you put things out there like this so that patients can get help because we're people and we're humans and we're hurt and it's from the vaccine, but they need to study us because if they don't study us, the heart inflammation, the menstrual periods, the blood clots, and especially us neurological injuries where we look fine. We look like normal people. There's, there's, we're walking around, and we're, but we're neurologically injured. And they need to study us because if the vaccine has components that are causing this, they need to change it. I'm not saying they need to never vaccinate again, but they need to do something to improve it. It's not perfect. You didn't put something perfect out there. All right. Yeah. So let's let's back up. So so let's go back to your story. You, yes. you 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 were injured, you hesitated to go to the hospital. And then when did that shift for you? Right. So after that, I had about three days of Coca-Cola colored urine. Um, it smelled metallic. I had a metallic taste in my mouth, um, but I was able to eat and drink. And I would say that I gained my gross and then fine motor skills. So walking and then being able to do things like button a shirt within about 12 to 14 days. Um, I was back to work um, about 17, 18 days later. Um, and functioning normally, but I had about a month of being really fatigued. Um, I did have some minor neck pain that really didn't go away. Um, did then I have, see, Did you have headaches as well? No, there really wasn't a lot of headaches with this at all. Um, it was, you know, some, some neck pain, just some aching. So then I seemed like I went back to normal. And then once in February, and then once in March, I had a week of the left side of my neck and my face and my scalp and my ear being super highly sensitive. They call it allodynia in okay, medical field. Explain, explain that because yeah, yeah, percent of people that are, if they watch this, won't know what it means. Oh, no. Uh, in, in explanation, it was the feeling of getting shingles without a rash. So, or getting the oh. worst sunburn as if you had fallen asleep on the beach. 
um, and you just couldn't even touch it. I couldn't brush my hair. And to me in the medical field, I didn't associate it. I didn't associate it. And I thought, oh, well, I'm so stressed out. Um, I'm, pr I'm probably getting shingles because I had chickenpox as a child and you can get shingles. So I thought that I was like about to get shingles and didn't get a rash. Okay. So I didn't at that time associate it with the vaccine. Um, then, that, at that point in time, you're thinking it's because you're worried about your reaction to the vaccine and, and th that may be a cause for something like that. Yeah, I thought I was like almost getting shingles and then like my body fought it off. And then so that's what, what was in my head at that time. Okay. Um, and then the end of March, um, I developed this uh, pain that was above my scapula and on my back. So like close to my neck, between my neck and my scapula. And I had had some pain there like in the past because I you know, had an injury to that shoulder, um, but this was different. Um, you know, it wasn't that pain. It was like sudden and it was just so much worse and nothing relieved it. Um, so, you know, there wasn't massage, there wasn't cream, there wasn't anything. There wasn't, you know, leaning on a tennis ball that was going to make this pain better. And I was like, wow, this seems like nerve pain because nerve pain is that pain that isn't relieved by you know, normal measures, heat, ice, stretching, massage. So I went to a, an orthopedist um, mm -hmm. thinking there was something wrong with like that trapezoid muscle um, or a nerve in that area. And they did an MRI that was called a brachial plexus MRI, which shows more of the muscle in that scapula area. And it showed some like minor stuff in my spine and my neck, like, a, you know, minor herniations, nothing that is abnormal for maybe a very active 30 uh, something year old and mm -hmm. just some uh, mild where the nerves come out, a very mild narrowing. But my symptoms were not consistent with that imaging. Okay. And um it just didn't seem like that was it. And during that imaging, they found um, lymph nodes were inflamed um, and enlarged on that MRI in my neck, under the scapula, which is the clavicle bone, mm -hmm. and then into my armpit um, in that MRI, just on the left side. Did you, did you have, um, was it, could you see from the outside of your body, could you see any lumps? No lymph node. Okay. Cause some people we've spoken to actually have had lymph nodes removed. Um, yes. They were protruding. Yeah. So I, I, and I've had patients like that as well. I've had a patient come to me with a golf ball size in their armpit. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've, and then a, you know, golf ball size underneath their chin and stuff like that. So I've seen that from a clinical standpoint as a provider, but personally they were inflamed in a way that the MRI could see, but it wasn't something that I was, you know, aware of. Um, so there, um, do you want me to go on about? That's in, that's in, so that was in March at that point. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, the shoulder doctor pretty much said, this isn't your shoulder. It's probably your neck. So, you know, at that time, I'm kind of not associating it with the vaccine. And I'm just like, oh, something's going on with my shoulder or my neck. So they sent me over to a neurospine, um, which is one of his partners. 
and they did a dedicated MRI just to that neck, mm-hmm. um, just to the neck, and it showed the same thing, and that there was some minor uh, her- herniation stuff going on. So they said, well, oh, the pain is probably this. So they put me into physical therapy, and that made me so much worse. Um, and they did something called dry needling in in physical therapy, where they put needles in and they move them around in the muscle to loosen the muscle up. And I had a reaction that was very abnormal. I went home that night and it was as, as it was as if electricity was um, shooting across my back and shooting across my scapula and my chest and into my neck and my face, like. Um, like shocks of electricity. And I went back to PT and I told them that, and they said, 20 years, we never heard anything like that. So that's not normal. So that- at any point, did any of these doctors kept possibly connect this to the vaccine? So at some, at some point, yes. So down, down the line here, just a little bit, um, I next started developing um, a very strange sensation in my left arm, which was what the next um, feeling was. And that's the arm that I received the vaccine in. So I had numbness on the, it was like numb, but also painful. It was so strange and it was hot on the outside, but cold on the inside as if my palm of my hand, I was holding ice, but then the rest of the arm had a fever. And I told the neurologist, the neurospine doctor this, and he said, this is not normal. You know, this is, um, if you have a nerve in the neck that's pressed on, there's usually a part of the arm, you know, like the back mm-hmm. of the arm by the tra- trapezoid. And then, you know, the, the forearm in a certain, what they call distribution. Like, you know, if you have mm-hmm. this nerve, then this part of the arm is numb, but not the whole arm the way you're saying. So um, they did some extra imaging at that time, um, which didn't didn't really still support these symptoms. Within a couple weeks, this really started to progress, and this this pain moved to my my anterior chest, so to my to my breast area in the front, and then within days, it was my whole scapula and almost down into my lower back of this pain moving across my torso and then up into my neck and my face. And at this point, um, the neurologist, the neurospine is saying you need to see neurology. So just the brain doctor, something else is going on. Um, I was- Let me ask you, before you go on, let me ask you, when you mentioned that you, uh, after the first, no, after the second shot, you 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 felt the numbness that was also in your legs during this period going into March April. What was going on with your legs? Because it's so, like above your waist at this point. right. So at that point, nothing was happening that was similar to that day of the you know the few days mm-hmm. after the vaccine. the The pain of the body was there in in the chest area, but it wasn't affecting the legs. Um, it was not affecting like movement. Because there's two parts to the mm-hmm. to the nervous system. The central nervous system is the the moving of the arms and the legs, and then the peripheral nervous system is the sensation. 
It's right. the, and what about your balance? What about your balance at this point in time when you're talking like April, May? Balance was fine at that point. Um, so the the next thing that actually really started to become concerning, uh, which has been expressed by others that I'm you know in contact with with similar symptoms, was I started I was crying obviously with all this going on. And I had numbness, like full anesthesia-like numbness to the left side of my face, like my left upper lip, my left nose, tip of my nose, and then across my left cheek. Um, that lasted about, you know, in a half an hour. And for me in the medical field, I was like, this is scary. You know, something's mm -hmm. going on. So the next day, you know, I had to go to work and I did go to work and, I sneezed twice. And with the sneeze again, um, it um, was kind of um, something where uh, you have um, in increase in pressure in your head. So crying or sneezing creates increased mm -hmm. pressure in the head. So I called the neurospine doctor and he said, you need to go to an ER. So I went to the ER and you know, they said, well, you're not having a stroke, but we don't know what's wrong with you. You know what? And, and again, you were you, you received both of your shots on your left arm. Yes, both on the left arm. And this is happening on the left face mm -hmm. um, in a certain distribution um, of, a, of the trigeminal nerve, which is the nerve on the side of the head. Um, so they say, you know, you're not having a stroke. You're able to move your arms and legs. You're talking correctly. So, you know, the, they talked to the neurospine doctor and he said, I want an MRI with and without the contrast dye to her brain. Um, so they did an MRI of the brain and it, um, it did not show a stroke, but it showed, um, something similar actually to the MRI that they do of my spine in the future. Um, it's called T2 um, hyperintensities, which in general means that there's little fireworks going off. There's little areas that are brighter than they should be. And these were happening in my brain and my spine. And, you know, of course, their initial dictation, which when they read the MRI says um, that these can be from a patient with migraines, or um, they use the words post-inflammation or post-viral infectious. So, so what is so we got to we got to yeah. layman's terms here. Yes, of course. I, I, our audience is trying to oh. wake people up. So, oh so no, no, of, of course. Tell them what that means. It means that the MRI of the brain and the spine showed something happened to you, mm -hmm. something happened to your, you took a hit, you know, something happened that which inflammation. Um, and this is the, the fallout. This is the uh, likely whatever happened to you in January um, is not present now, you know, there's no actual swelling in the spine or swelling in the brain. But in these pictures, we're showing you something happened to you. Um, and, you know, of course, the ER doctors were like, oh, it's probably, you know, migraines. And I said, I've never had a headache in my life. So the other thing in that dictation there says post virus or post inflammation. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're going to be honest here, you better tell me that this is from January. So you're talking April now, and I've got spots of brightness on an MRI in a brain and neck that says something happened to this girl um, a little while ago. So now they do have some evidence that something's going on. Um, they send me home um, and then they send me to the neurologist. So they say, this is something in the brain more than it, it's not her spine. Um, so it starts to move into my lower back, my abdomen and my leg. And I wanna be clear that all of these symptoms are happening on only the left side of my body, which is, you know, um, one of the reasons I want to reach out because um, hemi is what they call that on one side, um, sensation changes can be initially considered psychiatric. And I'm so psychiatric as if it's an imagination. Right. So um, hemisensory syndrome um, is, you know, when someone has sensation issues on one side of the body and the the first thing on the list for that is psychiatric, that you're having a mental health problem. And I just don't want people out there, their doctors. A mental health problem when you're feeling yeah. pain, sensation right. on one side of your body? Correct. Who came up with that analysis in the medical field? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. But, I mean, yeah. So, you know, because it's, because it's abnormal, you know, and they can't explain it, they go, oh, it's probably in the, in the head. So no one did that to me, wow. you know, because I advocated for myself being someone in the medical field, but you know, not everyone has that option. And I mm -hmm. looked at them and said, you say the word psych and I'm going to lose it on you guys because something's bad's happening to me. So it moved into my leg and my husband uh, went to massage my feet. And I said, you can't touch my left foot. It is so painful. Um, something's wrong. So it moved into the leg. So they ended up doing more uh, CAT scan and more MRI of my um, thoracic spine, which is the the middle of the spine, uh, right. by, by those areas. And those were all those were normal. So I go to neurology, and I really receive great care. Um, my neurologist is just a total amazing doctor, and the team I joined is with a university. So obviously, there's they're heavily into research with fellows, and you know the the team I chose on purpose. You know, uh, some not just some neurologists in the middle of nowhere. I I chose the best. So I am receiving great care because I went down, and they immediately said you have something called a small fiber neuropathy. So it's small fiber, what that means. Yep. That means that for some reason, um, the nerves in your skin have died on only the left side of your body. So they did something called a skin biopsy. So they did three skin biopsies. Um, so hopefully general population with biopsy, it's uh, they uh, took a pinch of the skin uh, in three areas and they sent it off to the lab to be looked at under a microscope. And what they came back with is that the nerves had all died and the sweat glands 
had also decided to, to die as well. So this means that, and at that time it was on one side, it's my whole body now, but at that point- When did it, when did it progress to, to your right side? In August. So in, it, 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 this has just so been- your, ner your nerve endings have been destroyed. Correct. And so are you yes. in pain? All absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, so just to, to finish that particular topic, um, the neurology team was amazing. They sent off every piece of lab work that you could possibly send on someone. So ruling out, I do not have Lyme's disease. I do not have rheumatoid arthritis. I do not have MS. Um, you know, I do not have something called paraneoplastic syndrome, you know, all of these, you know, autoimmune or infectious or viral um, things. I don't have um, Epstein-Barr virus, which is mono, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the blood, none of these things. So they sent off everything you could rule out. Um, but my team was amazing. And they sent off something called a TSHDS antibody. So this is a very specialized antibody. So an autoantibody, something uh, like an autoimmune mm -hmm. uh, marker, just like something in RA, rheumatoid arthritis or something. So they sent off this antibody to St. Louis, Washington University, where there's a physician there who's a neurologist who discovered this antibody in 2018 and has been studying it for three years. And this antibody came back positive. So a negative is less than 10,000. And my result came back greater than 35,000. So my the antibodies that they read are higher than they could even count. So the- What do they think, before, before you go on, because this yeah. is fascinating. Yes. Um, I mean, sad, and, and I empathize with you. I mean, this is horrendous. Thank but, you. But but it's it's a different scope from what we've heard so far, right? So anybody, has anybody figured out what is it that could cause this? Right. So there, you know, I think that I'm lucky to have positive tests happening because the you know my pain that is just so intense um, is they're saying the reason is we're seeing that your nerves died. And so that's, that's the why you're regenerated. I, I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so nerves can regenerate, but we're like, you know, we're, we're not even there yet for me, you know, if that's even a possibility. So, um, so they, um, so they, they do the skin biopsies. So now they know your nerves are dead and that's why you feel like a burn victim you know, over your whole body. Um, and, but why did they die? So now they draw this antibody and they say, oh, well, your body has antibodies telling your nerves to die. This oh antibody, Lord. this antibody programmed, you know, your cells to, to die. Um, so this antibody that they've studied um, is, present in, in patients with this small fiber neuropathy as a cause. Um, but as of right now, um, so there are some experimental treatments going on, but they have not been able to help patients like me. And the issue How right now- How many are there, Anne? How many are there? 
I, I don't know. Um, and this would be something that St. Louis Washington University providers um, would be able to answer maybe. But there's, I think there's ongoing research and there's a study that's about to be published from them. And there was a study a few years ago, but um, there, some of the treatments are about to start on me and I'll tell you about those, but um, none of the patients have really improved with a lot of the therapies from what I can see, from what I'm reading. But the, um, the patients, I don't think are as sick as me, you know, and don't have this over the entire body. I think they're looking at patients that have an arm or hands and feet that are affected. Um, and those are called length, uh, length dependent uh, cases where it stops at a certain point. My neuropathy is considered non-length dependent, which means it doesn't have boundaries. So it can go anywhere and it is going everywhere. And, you know, if they can't help me, this is such a serious situation. I am actually on seven medications right now to manage this in, and they're all maxed out. There is no additional pills to be added. And that's why I'm about to, um, I just went through experimental large doses of steroids through an IV, uh, which made me sicker. And I'm about to start IVIG next week through an IV. Um, it got approved by my insurance with quite a bit of resistance. Um, but this is, the, this is the treatment that we keep on hearing about. Explain right. to the public what the IVIG, and I think that the figure that I think we heard was, uh, t it's $10,000. Oh, of course. And um, you have to have something like four or five of these treatments. So it's really in the neighborhood of $50,000 plus. Correct. If insurance pays for it. So, you know, IVIG, they definitely, um, you know, aren't jumping to want to cover given the expense of it. But it is infusions. It's a little bit difficult to, to verbalize. So I'm just going to say, you know, it... It's putting in immune complexes. So mm -hmm. I, IV stands for intravenous and then IG is immunoglobulins. So immunoglobulins are things that we have in our body naturally that help our body fight. So they're like giving me super immune system. And so the, it's a booster. It's a booster to you, but it's a yes. healthy booster. Yes. And it's um, extremely intense. And the goal is can we shut these antibodies down? Can we tell these antibodies to stop attacking her nervous system? You know, and uh, the normal treatment, I guess, is once a week for, you know, and sometimes for patients just once a month. And in my case, the kidney doctors worked with the brain doctors to say she's very sick. So maybe this isn't a normal case of this small fiber neuropathy because patients are usually stable and I'm rapidly declining. You know, um, I'm going downhill fast, which means that these antibodies are, this isn't something that happened to you. Oh, you know, you're, you're injured. I'm sorry that happened to you. This is your outcome. No, there's an active process happening right now where you're under attack. Um, and you're getting so, this every so, day. So, so 
they ordered it. So they ordered it daily next week for five days in a row. So I'll receive about six hours of pre-infusion, pre-medications, post-fluids, and the IVIG for five days in a row. And then they're going to do weekly for six to eight weeks. Um, so the, the goal here is to, to try to shut the immune response down. Um, the, it, the next step, if you're wanting to hear, um, because this is all experimental, there's no more pills. We've, we can't, treat your pain, you know, nerve pain, you can't take a Percocet or a, or a, um, a, right. an oxycodone for nerve pain, it doesn't do anything. So I'm on Lyrica 300 milligrams twice a day um, with seizure medications and uh, other nerve medications. So the next step after this IVIG, if it is not successful, which it has not been shown in research to be successful in patients like me, but it's kind of like a last ditch effort. Um, the next is why the kidney doctor got involved. Um, he um, suggested that they treat me like a Gillian Beret, those GB patients that everyone's hearing about, you know, because the severity is, you know, I'm not paralyzed, but this is going downhill. So if the whole body feels burned, this is serious. So they're thinking about doing something called plasmapheresis on me, um, which they put if you- the IVIG does not work. Right, so if the IVIG does not work, they're going to do um, something called plasmapheresis. It's again, another like five to seven days um, with an intravenous um, treatment where they pretty much wash the plasma in your blood. The plasma is like a, um, like a yellow or like a, a light white substance separate mixed in with the blood. So they take out this plasma from my blood, they wash it every day for seven days. And the goal at that point isn't like the IVIG was to boost the immune system, try to stop the, the, the antibodies. But in the plasmapheresis, it actually just tries to physically wash it almost like dialysis um, mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. way to dialysis off these antibodies um, to see if they can make me better. And they do this with other immune conditions that are out of control. And they're sometimes successful. But again, I believe if I'm speaking correctly, that the people studying these TSHDS antibodies in these patients, that again, plasmapheresis has not been successful in helping these patients. Um, the next treatment, uh, just shortly, is called monoclonal antibodies. Um, We've so, heard a lot about that in the public. Yep. So monoclonal antibodies would be the next step for me. And those are, again, um, it, that's very difficult to explain. You know, um, people can <laughs> Google that one. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, again, just tries to tell these antibodies, you have to stop. You're killing this person. So, so in other words, they're trying to figure out either wash it out of you or uh, redirect it or <clears throat> replace it. Right, because going all the way back to the beginning, they're saying you were totally fine. This vaccine, it's brand new. It's mRNA, it's a spike protein. You know, um, we put it into this girl and boom, this, oh, so this explodes this in my system. And it, it, the vaccine triggered this cascade. 
before this, I was snowboarding. Have, they, have these yeah. doctors admitted this now? Are these doctors at Washington University in St. Louis? Are they studying other um, people who have vax injuries that have resulted in this area? I don't know this. Um, so I what recently they told you about your case. Do these doctors tell you, you know, with a wink and a smile behind a closed door, like, you know, this is the vaccine? So the, the answer that I get is, um, well, you know, this could be the caused by the vaccine uh, itself. This could be triggered by the vaccine or, you know, this is happening to you completely unrelated. And as I look at words, there's no, there's no commitment to what, what caused this. Every, you know, they can no. treat something, but they don't know the cause of it. Right. No one wants to touch this. I've, I've written. Why? Well, why? I mean, we, we, we have to have a larger conversation of all course. over the world because doctors are terrified is what I'm hearing. No one wants to be, you know, the university of so-and-so here doesn't want to be the ones that say, we've got this girl with a giant vaccine reaction to the COVID Moderna. Um, they don't, I don't think they want that on their plate, on their name. And but we're going to allow people to be killed. Yes. We're going to allow people to be injured. Is that, I mean, is that, is that the world we've all come to because everybody's yeah, yes. afraid? Yes. That's, that's where we're at is, you know, um, I, and I've written a case study and I plan, I'm, I'm in the works of having, trying to get people to peer review it for me. And again, no one wants their name on it, but it's a very clear case study of what's happened to me. And I'm trying to get it published in multiple journals for neurojournals, neuroimmunology, you know, Journal of American Medicine. I plan on sending this in, um, but it, it needs to be peer reviewed. And it's almost like I can't find someone else to put their name on it. And I did tell the university that's taking care of me, hey, you know, they know I'm a nurse pra practitioner. And I, I said, hey, you know, are any of your fellows or any of your residents um, willing to help me write up my case study here? And their response was, we can't think of anyone right now who's interested. So the actual university treating me is doing a great job. They're, they're, they are trying mm -hmm. to save my life, you know, because this, we don't know whether this is something different. Who knows whether this is going to attack my organs next? So, you know, they are trying to save my life, but they surely don't want to put their name on a vaccine reaction right now. And I know there's doctors out there that that want to do that. So I, I need that help too, um, you know, at, at some point here, because my goal is- I'm talk to you about offline because I'm, we're, ta we're talking to a, a lot of doctors. Oh, no, absolutely. And, 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 and I, you know, I, it's, it's almost, we're at the point now where doctors have to speak out they should not be in fear of losing their jobs because their jobs are worthless if they don't do the right thing. The, the other thing that is interesting to me is that because we're still in the Emergency Use Act arena. Correct. Um, the doctors that are administering to you are almost like Sherlock's because they don't know what the ingredients is that's in the Moderna until it is approved. Correct. So, and that's know, what the public doesn't understand. The ingredients for this really right. is, is right. not is not in the public domain. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the medical field, and I'll tell you, I don't know enough about the ingredients of the vaccine to say 
this is why this has happened to me. You know, there's there's evidence right now to show that, you know, it has to do more, more, more injuries are happening to um, uh, women my age, 30s to 50s, you know, that there's more neurological complications happening with childbearing age women and, you know, close postmenopausal women. Is this related to an X chromosome? Is this related to estrogen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's um, polyethylene glycols and um, uh, nucleic acids and the spike protein itself. And, you know, it's the vaccine companies that need to study us and say, you know, okay, and this is how we're going to help save your life because these components must have hurt you. Let's go you know, they, they, they need to, they need to be helping us directly. They made this vaccine. So my neurologist can help me to a certain point, but it's them that needs to turn around and directly vaccine specifically help my case. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, did you contact Moderna? Oh, absolutely. And what um, was their response? So Moderna has never responded directly. I emailed them. I called them. I faxed my case to them and I've never heard anything. Um, I put it into VAERS, of course, which is the Vaccine Adverse mm-hmm. Event Reporting System, right. uh, V-A-E-R-S. And I did put that in. I put my case in probably in May and they called me last week. Um, and they called me just to get my doctor's information and a verbal consent for me to contact them. And of course I said, yes, do whatever, please call them. But it took them till September to reach me. And uh, I guess they've got enough reactions going on that they're busy. Well, okay. So, so what I want to do is get the information from you from Moderna. We're going to follow up with them. Right. Uh, well, and then did you send it to the NIH? I did. I so I sent my case to the CDC. I sent it to NIH. I sent who it to the, who at the NIH and who at the CDC. Um, I would need to look at the emails directly, um, but the CDC, um, I sent it to their general. They have a a website or a, a an email where you can send an adverse case to. So I used that link and sent that off so people could look that up. And then the NIH, I contacted a director who um, deals directly with the vaccine in Maryland. And the response um, that I did get back was just one email that said, I'm so sorry to hear that you're injured. Please continue to work with your doctors locally to get the care you need. You know, yeah, so- a lot, of pe- a lot of people have gotten those emails. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's a reaction, no reaction. Um, yeah, it's not a helpful one. No. Um, the study that is being done at Washington university is, is that team there giving any information to NIH? Are they they funded by Fauci at NIAID? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I know very little about what they're doing there because you know, my antibody came back positive three, four weeks ago. And so this is news to me. This is me as a medical professional researching what in the world's happening to me (laughs) and who's studying it and when was it discovered. And so this is all brand new to me. I've done, you know, moderate amount of research and 
you know, they definitely, as, along with Mayo Clinic, uh, these these big, big research institutions, um, I certainly would love more information on how they can help me and patients like me. You know, I, I think that it's also really important that as I'm, uh, I, I have found a group of people like me, there is a, you know, private group of injured patients. Um, I'm not sure if you would like me to mention the um, press conference that occurred. Well, we have we 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 actually the, the one that uh, Ron Johnson um, yes. held, and and some of the people we have spoken to actually participated in that press conference with Ron Johnson back yes. in June. Um, yes. So so the um, I've I have joined their family. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that press conference. I reached out to those people directly, the injured preschool teacher, the injured scientist, the injured um, uh, dental hygienist, and the psychiatrist um, that all were injured there. And uh, I've been in communication with the mother of that small uh, young girl, Maddie, um, that was injured in the clinical trial. So they've become my family. And I can't be thankful enough to that um, to that press conference for putting me in contact with other people who are injured in the same way as me. But in communicating with these, I, I believe it's 160 people now um, mm -hmm. it, that we are communicating with and uh, thousands of others, I believe, trying to um, reach us. So well, you're not you're you're one you're one of many groups, many groups. Uh, yeah, it's not just here in America. Of course, there, there, there's other people overseas and there probably will be more groups of, of course. US pharmaceuticals ship overseas. Yes. So, you know, within this group, you know, there's groups of people with the blood clots and there's groups of people with the heart inflammation and groups of people with their menstrual periods um, affected. Um, but we're the neurological group and mm -hmm. we're the hardest group because you can't really see from the outside unless you talk to us and say we're, we have internal vibrations we have internal shocking and can't our, our clothing hurts on our skin but that doesn't show when I'm at the supermarket walking around you know so that's what makes it harder for us to get our case out there and to say there's something wrong with us and in communicating with these people you know they're neurologists all over the country and it's not mismanagement. It's just that there's no, you know, general, you know, this patient's walking to my office, they had the vaccine, they have these symptoms, you know, this must be a small fiber neuropathy. We should do a skin biopsy. And if this skin biopsy is positive, we should send off these special TSHDS antibodies. Let's get these people help maybe we can turn their immune system around. You and know, you know the reason you do know the reason why that the, the the doctors have not received any protocols from the CDC. Right. The for that is because the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, the NIAID, Fauci, Francis Collins, uh Janet Walensky and everybody else would have to admit that they acknowledge the neurological injuries. Due to yes. the vaccines, they are scared to death to admit well, that, yeah. and that has to that has to happen because just like they did for the heart inflammations, but they don't want any vax 
hesitation as they're targeting the children all over the world and also targeting to, to get a market for a booster. This is this is a real simple game here. This is right. People are profits over people. That's Correct. why they're not acknowledging the injuries. Well, I mean, but isn't the point of their vaccine as, as they're publicizing to help people? But guess what? Your vaccine isn't perfect. You mm -hmm. can't, nothing is perfect. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge, you know, we've administered this mass. Who's injured? Can we help you, number one? And number two, let's study you because, you know, the first vaccine that comes out, never, never perfect needs alterations so you can't just sweep it and and turn people's twitter off and and close down facebook groups yeah they can yeah and they we, can they, they can and this is what i know they are and and this is what people people need to understand in this country this country has a culture of pharmaceutical addiction over 70 almost 75 percent of americans each take a pharmaceutical that's a fact. We are the first country in the world where we had uh, pharmaceutical advertisements put on television. That was in the 1980s. New Zealand is the second. But when the internet was created and the onslaught of the internet, that became the Wild West market for pharmaceutical advertisements. So we are inundated with this. If you say that you're anti, if, if you question medicine, all of a sudden you're anti-vax. You know, the truth is everybody should be for sane, reputable, safe pharmaceuticals, yes. whether they're drugs or whether they're vaccines. But at the same time, the thing that caught our attention to your group, and it really resonated with us, was the fact that under normal circumstances, those in the pharmaceutical, the scientific and the medical world would be looking at all of you who are injured following your vaccine shots under normal circumstances. Correct. The fact that they're not doing it is a gross negligence. Gross negligence. And, and it's gross and it, uh, in the medical field, we have something called non-malfeasance, which yes. means do no harm. Right. And, you know, you are doing us harm by not researching afterwards what has happened to us and trying to silence us. And by shutting down, you know, sh the, the Twitter of the people who were at the press conference and our Facebook group worrying about being shut down and censored, they're trying to keep us from communicating with each other, trying to keep that's us- because, That's because Pharma, Pharma gives money for advertisement to the social media. That's the connection there. So when people say it's big pharma, big uh, uh, pharmaceutical, big tech, big pharmaceutical, they need to understand uh, the, the mainstream media gets a lot of pharmaceutical advertisements. I say this as somebody who's worked for four networks here in the United States. The Internet people get a lot of pharmaceutical advertisements. They don't want to break the narrative. So well, this, is, this, this is a game. But if, if people understand what the game is and what the risks are and what the cost is to people's lives, you're not getting the medical attention that you deserve. Absolutely and, not. And yeah, guess what? Now they've got these people are not doing the moral, uh, the moral thing at the NIH, <clears throat> the CDC, 
Well, now they've and they've not only administered the vaccine to me and you know all this IVIG and thousands of dollars, but um, they've got a 39 year old on seven prescription drugs now. Mm-hmm. I'm on seven mm-hmm. drugs, and that's just to manage the pain. And just like you know, Bree said in the press conference, um, this seven drugs turns the dial down just enough so that I can keep a job and that I don't go on disability and close my practice. Mm-hmm. And you know, 1,100 people lose their primary care provider over over this. You know, um, it turns the dial down just enough. Seven drugs. Um, so, could you imagine if the if I wasn't on these drugs, I would be dead. I would be in so much pain, I would so die. Let's, let's let's go back to the first shot. When you when you got the first shot, did they tell you? Did, did they tell you about the risks? Did they mention anything like this neurological damage? No, no. I you know, and you and know, was, you know if they if Moderna knew about these neurological damages during the clinical trials, that was not made public to me. Um, you know, and and half the people in that press conference were actually uh, vaccinated in November as part of clinical trials and mm-hmm. injured and uh, no one wanted to acknowledge it. One of the things that was said in the press conference, which I loved um, by Cheryl's husband was- um, Ken, Ken Ruggers. Yeah, Ken Ruggers, um, Rutgers, yes. So um, it was said, the first thing that needs to happen is when something like this happens, it's considered a vaccine reaction until otherwise proven otherwise, not the reverse, not, this is an injury. Oh, okay, it's probably not the vaccine. It's probably something else. It's definitely this. And then, oh, okay, well, we, we haven't proven that. So maybe it's the vaccine. No, when someone comes to you and they've had a, an injury and they say, well, I think it's related to the vaccine because I wasn't sick before the vaccine. And this has been a cascade for months. So he was right. And in, in, amongst the medical community, it needs to be She's a vaccine reaction unless we can prove it otherwise, not the reverse. What I can't get an answer to, and 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 we've talked to a number of people that we have, we've never interviewed, you know, online, um, on camera, but no one can tell me why you get, why why they're not the pharmaceutical companies themselves are not coming to you guys. I, it makes no sense to me. I would tend to think they would want to find out because they know what's in their ingredients. It seems to me that they should be a little bit more actively curious about situations. Yes. You know, and I'm, and a couple of things here, just, you know, I've been trying to communicate with my neurologists who are like, well, patients with small fiber neuropathies do this and they have this. And I keep trying to say, this is different. Mm -hmm. Okay not just the trigger, but the, how sick I am, how fast this is progressing, how high the concentration of these antibodies is in my blood. The fact that it's my entire body surface, not just an arm or a leg, and that the, um, it's not patchy arm here, leg there, it's the whole thing. It so is. What, so what are the doctors telling you about? Because when you take the MRIs, the, um, you know, autoimmune, a lot of people don't understand this. Autoimmune can actually 
attacked your organs. If Correct. You had, my mother had rheumatoid arthritis, so I know something about this. She had a severe case of it my entire life. Um, and if, in the severest of cases, it can actually attack your organs, your lungs, your yes. heart, your kidney, your spleen, everything. Like, like lupus. Yes, like lupus, yes. you know, and, and they keep saying to me like, oh, well, small fiber won't kill you. And it's like, how do you know what's going on with me right now? This is a different animal. You're opening your textbook, but how did everything get in the textbook? There was always a first. There was a first MS case. There was a first mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis case. Mm -hmm. So you can't say, you know, oh, you're crazy because you're saying, this is different. I'm different. I'm in the medical field. I know enough to say, you know, do my research and say, what's happening to me isn't the same. Um, this is this is something different. So I, I don't know. Did the did this vaccine cause this this new illness, this new disease that us women have that I'm speaking of uh, that you're going to be interviewing? Um, you know, the complaints of internal vibrations and internal shocking where we feel as if we're in a vibrator chair. Um, I feel like I have Parkinson's moving and, mm -hmm. but I'm not moving on the outside. Right. I'm not, I'm not tremoring to my husband. I'm tremoring to myself. And, you know, that's not categoristic of any other disease that's been, been in the textbooks. So what is this? You know, and it's indifferent for everyone, but we share these unique symptoms together. And one of the things I wanted to mention was the pain that's in that left upper scapula. So mm -hmm. to be specific for the medical providers, you know, the, the pain is about the size of a silver dollar to the left of my C7 T1 area very concentrated. And my whole disease feels like it's radiating from that one spot. And when I speak to two other of the girls in this group, and I, I mean, I've been in this group only two weeks. So how many are there? These two women have the same pain in the same concentrated spot that you can't get out no matter what. So I don't know enough about the vaccine, but you know, there's commonalities. You're saying that there's well, commonalities. Right. Did, did they get their shots in the left arm both times? Yes, yes, I believe. Did yes. they get Moderna? Uh, no, I believe that it's been a it's been an array. I think two were Moderna, two were Pfizer, one was AstraZeneca, um, uh, in trial wise, and then so for for me, you know, there's a little bit of a thought process, you know when they put the spike protein in, can the spike protein leave its capsule, leave the deltoid muscle and travel maybe into this specific tissue area and then just start wreaking havoc? Um, you know, every mm -hmm. time I talk about this pain, the doctors are like, oh, trigger point injection, let's treat the muscle. Um, Oh, it must be the the nerves. Let's do um, an epidural spinal injection on you. Let's put it. So in other words, the doctors don't really know. The doctors don't know what they're what they're doing because they don't know how to treat it because they're getting no directions from 
from the FDA, the CDC, the right. NIH, because nobody's recognizing it publicly. Yes, what is in my left scapula here area? And I'm not being, being conspiracy, you know, uh, microchip type of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is something, something moved from the area that they gave me this vaccine into my scapula region and something's happening there. And it's not my muscle and it's not the nerves. And, but if, if the vaccine companies know the answer to what I'm saying, then save my life. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna send. We're gonna make we're gonna make a copy of this tape. I'm gonna send this a copy of this tape to every board member on Moderna's board, and the CEO. I, I we believe, need to know what's in the shoulder. That well, they they need to step up to the plate because I I'm convinced that they're withholding information from the public. And and we've got to close this up. But I want to ask you something, Anne. How do you feel now? When you see these guys are now, the pharmaceuticals are now, and, and Joe Biden is now targeting children. After seeing the press conference with Maddie, who is a, a young child, I believe she's 12, um, who was in one of the vaccine trials, her mother was kind enough and generous enough to offer her child to the, um, to the trial. And she became so ill and couldn't be touched just like me in right. the hospital and everything. And uh, no one has helped her. The vaccine companies are denying that she exists and that she's injured. And, you know, I, I am so worried. So I, mm -hmm. I, I am worried and people do need to see her story because, you know, the how, goal do you, how do you, how do you feel knowing what you know, that it's there, there's going to be more Maddie's. Correct. And yes, of course, we're going to help masses and possibly, you know, but um, you need to make the vaccine better and safer. And, and you think they should take this off the market? I, that's, I'm, I think that's a big thing for me to say. I, I, I'm not sure. I think immediate action needs to be taken to take the net of us who are injured in any way, reach out to us, grab us, pull us in, research us intensely, and make immediate changes to these vaccines that need yeah, to happen. You're not, you're not thinking the big picture here. Uh, they, oh. have, they have manufactured vaccine, billions of, of vaccines, tens of hundreds of millions of vaccines. They're already done. Well, good. Then, then so so if 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 you know that 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 the injuries exist, and you've identified them, and you're in the field, why should any of these vaccine shots even be? Why should they be on the shelf? I'm 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 certainly personally worried about it, um, and you know I've my patients are asking me about vaccines right now, and I I'm in a very unique position. Uh, in a very um, hard position. Are you, are, you, are you telling them your story? Or are you advising them not to get it? It is not within my ability to, um, you know, or my contract or my, my. I, I can't tell them what's happened to me personally, my own story. But I, I am in a position where I'm telling people they need to make the decision for themselves. And I tell them to please do as much research as possible prior. And I think that that's the the only thing I can say right now, but I think that my biggest worry is these boosters. 
is I feel like, yes, you've vaccinated, you know, a, a quite a few people now um, in a way that maybe you could stop a minute, research us and stop causing injuries because you know you're causing too many, more than any other vaccine prior, um, as was easily shown in, in data. That's um, true. That is you true. Know, by, Ron, by, by that senator. And, you know, you're, it's, it's only months later and you're trying to put another shot in another arm on a fully vaccinated patient. Here's another, here's another, here's another, what, every three, four, six months? Um, so more than two. Okay. Well, and that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a reoccurring business model. That's Correct. a reoccurring business model that is akin to Microsoft. And I'm so, not saying I'm, then, I'm not saying that because Bill Gates has invested in this, but his his business model is the same business model for reoccurring vaccines. Correct, and you That's know, I, Microsoft highlighting some of what has really happened to me here is you know I was downhill mountain biking, cross country mountain biking, uh, kickboxing, and snowboarding on a regular basis, and. I can't do yoga right now. I can't, I can barely stretch. I am barely working, um, holding this practice together and coming home in so much pain that all I can do is sit and, and, and I can't do anything. I can't take my dogs for a walk now. And, you know, the pain for me is so serious that it hurts to walk on the ground with my left foot as if there's glass in it. Um, it hurts to wear my wedding ring on my finger, but I'm still doing it even though I can't. And, you know, my body hurts all the time. My clothing hurts on me everywhere. And um, it's to the point where I take a sleeping pill at night because the nerves in my teeth when everything is quiet at night, they twinkle like stars. The nerves within my teeth, I taste metal all the time because all the nerves in my tongue and the inside of my cheeks are dead. Um, noise hurts me because the uh, nerves inside my ear canal are dead. And it's also different than a normal small fiber neuropathy because it's internal. It hurts to mm -hmm. swallow. It hurts when there's cold air that gets breathed into my nostrils. Um, and it hurts to move my eyes around, like the ocular movement. Um, so, and to blink. Have you had, have you had uh, blurred vision or um, at all? No blurred vision, but I am starting to experience what they call dysautonomic sy symptoms as well. Like explain, explain to the public what that means. Yeah, that means um, it, a, a disease called POTS, P-O-T-S, um, which people can look up is, you know, I, I'm experiencing things like a dizziness when I'm tired at night, get up to go to the ladies room uh, it, when it's 10 o'clock at night and I could fall almost. Mm -hmm. um, so balance issues. I have a higher heart rate than normal. Uh, my heart rate resting is like 110 when it should be, you know, 60 or 70. And these are all uh, what they call dysautonomic changes um, where my body's equilibrium is starting to be affected. And I have brain fog, um, you know, not to the point where I can't care for my patients, but, you know, some, some forgetfulness and some just not 
you know, connecting things sometimes. What am I here in the bedroom to get? What did I come in here for? Things that a 39-year-old shouldn't be struggling with and certainly things I didn't struggle with before. So this is affecting my brain, um, you know, and this is not a typical small fiber when it is affecting um, as many internal nerves as it is as well and my whole body. This is just so serious and I've lost my whole life I may have to go on disability, but where is this going? I mean, I'm on a downward spiral. They know that even the advanced treatments they're doing right now on top of seven oral medications are, have not been successful for people. I'm a severe case. So- How's your husband coping? My husband is crying every day. My mother's here visiting me right now to help take care of me and clean my home. Um, you know, we worry about our bills. If I go on disability and I can't work at some point here, which it is maybe getting to that point, we could lose our home, you know, and a couple of the girls in the um, press conference have had to second mortgage their home and take out home equity loans to care for their children. We don't have children and I'm fortunate for that right now because I could just not imagine having children and dealing with this, but my family is suffering. My family is scared for me. Um, you know, I was a leader in my family. Anyone who had a problem, I was there for them. They were asking me, medical field, what can we do? Our, our child hit their head or, you know, Susie has an ear infection, help us. And now I'm this way. I'm they're they're praying for me when I was and we're gonna be praying, we're gonna be praying for you. We're gonna be praying for you. Um I need help. I know. And you know, other people need help too, but besides those that have died from the vaccine, I would say that I'm probably one of the most severely injured patients amongst those with the Gillian Beret with paralysis. I am losing my life right now. And we're going to pray for you. And I want to try to do what we can. Um, Christine, I really appreciate you speaking with me today. I hope you come back and I hope you come back healthier and, you know, on camera and using your, your real name and, and you get through this. Okay. And there's another side to this and you get out of this tunnel. I, I think it's, it's sad that I need to be afraid to show my face and my name. I, I wish I could, and I'm not doing it because it's not real. <laughs> I'm doing it I know. I because know. I can't speak out. And you know what? Maybe they have injured enough people by the end of the year here where vaccine reaction won't be a controversial term. It'll be a household thing. And I'm scared for that. I'm scared for the I, I, I think that I think if people don't wake up that they that that may be absolutely the truth in the future. And and again, thank you for well, hey, hey NIH, hey CDC, hey Moderna, I need help. Help me and help the people who are also injured like me. You can't sit back and just let me lose my life. I'm not just, you know, I, I'm one person, but if the vaccine is meant to help people and save human lives, mine's being lost. So help me.
and we're going to be praying for you. Thank you.